0: Good morning. Let's jump right into Hafiz after that song. Let's see. Jan picked out our our, our, <laughs> our poem this morning. The woman I love. All right. Because the woman I love lives inside of you, I'll lean as close to your body with my words as I can. And I think of you all the time, dear pilgrim, because the one I love goes with you wherever you go. Hafiz will always be near. If you sat before me, wayfarer, with your aura bright, with your many charms, my lips could resist rushing to you, needing to befriend your blushing cheek. But my eyes can no longer hide the wondrous fact of who you really are, the beautiful one. The beautiful one whom I adore has pitched his royal tent inside of you, so I will always lean my heart as close to your soul as I can. My, I never know where to start. I never know what to do. I mean, I always feel like the perfect lecture would be having a Swami come up and put up his hands in some dramatic fashion that says, uh, you know, be illumined. <laughs> and then go sit down and be quiet. <laughs> That's what Thakur did on that day, way back when. I was, had an opportunity this week to speak at, uh, twice actually this last week, I spoke at an Episcopalian church in downtown Washington. And uh, I had a lovely time, really a fantastic time. Uh, we're kind of doing an experiment together that most of you know about, that I've been working on for a little over a year, maybe two years, of trying to express the truths of Vedanta through Christian scripture. And so uh, we're going through a series that we've called uh, Jesus as a Wisdom Teacher, putting him in the context of Ramakrishna and Buddha and, uh, and trying to take Christianity out of its protective box and giving it a context that's worldwide instead of just race-wide with, with Judaism and, and the, those Abrahamic cultures, as they call them. And when I was down there and going through these, these lectures and bringing up these ideas that were new... Uh, to To these folks, they hadn't really heard a lot of this before. You know, uh, it's all in the Bible. Uh, this is being recorded, but uh, <laughs> so don't be offended if you're a Christian. I really found the Bible to be a very disorganized mess of things because it's a bunch of stories and letters and whatnot, but it's not organized. Nobody's gone through and created the Upanishads of the Bible. You know, so so the Bible hasn't hasn't been uh, churned and with these truths being clearly presented and clearly laid out. And so to find them, to find the Sanatana Dharma within the scriptures of, of Christianity, uh, is not so hard if you, if you know what's there. But if you didn't have any ideas of these things, uh, they're very well hidden in there. If you don't read it with that mind and with that understanding, things don't fall into place. So when we were talking about these things, uh, it was just so refreshing... Because you know, as, as Vedantists, we hear these things all the time. We read them all the time, we go to tons of classes, we do tons of practice, hopefully, and are trying. And so, you know, we're kind of very accustomed. And because we're in a relative prison here, uh, these fantastic truths, when you live with them all the time, stop being fantastic. And when these amazing things that we live with start becoming normal, we lose, we lose that fundamental awe to being associated with them and it was refreshing this week because I was talking with a group of people that that literally were sitting there with with a certain sense of of excitement like wow <laughs> you know I had one woman in particular a very elderly woman and you could tell she had done she had been doing her prayers and her practice her whole life she had that wonderful clearness in her eyes that some older Women, older, anybody who's done a lot of practice and has really drawn near to God has. And she had these beautiful eyes, and she came up with her shawl, very grandmotherly like, and, uh, and asked me a very simple question. So earnestly, I almost started wanted to start crying. She said, she said what is, what is God-realization? What is this? And uh, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this woman has managed to live a whole life of spirituality and practice without any idea of spiritual realization, of, of what, what's coming for her. And, uh, you know, we had this delightful conversation. And, of course, she how do you tell somebody what realization is? You can't even talk about it. It's one of those things you... Uh, <laughs> but every every little piece that we managed to cobble together, she was... She was more enthused and more excited about it, and uh, it just reminds me that that we should always read the scriptures for the first time. Every time that we sit down and open them, we should always read them for the first time, and understand that these things are brilliant. These, <laughs> oh my God, these things are beautiful. Lest we forget what a life in the world is like without this knowledge lest we forget what life is like when there's no inner peace, when, when you're being jostled by all kinds of crazy things these days, to not have a center within yourself that emanates love, that emanates purity, that emanates peace. Wow. How, how, how do people manage in that? So I want to remember that this morning, and we're going to do it by talking about Mother as Goddess. Um, I was asked to do this lecture originally by one of the devotees down in North Carolina. That She said uh, you know, that uh, God was uh, Lakshmi, or Mother was Lakshmi, she had read, and so she wanted me to do a lecture on Mother as Lakshmi. And so I jumped into it, and I found a whole bunch of things, actually, and I'm going to share them this morning. Uh, not so profound. I hope it's more of the heart this morning that we just really get to spend time with Ma inside in our inner world. Uh, now, there's no requirement to see God as mother, but uh, but certainly there's some wonderful advantages to it. Uh, you know, I think of in my own life, the advantage of seeing God as mother was that at some very difficult times it made grace believable it made grace believable because you can imagine your mom never holding something against you you know i look at the things that my mother has been put through by her three young boys in her life and uh you know she's i won't tell you how old she is she would die uh that in her life she has never given up you know and uh We've, we've got some, I've got some troubled brothers in there that have certainly done their best to make her give up, and uh, she just doesn't. She still hangs in there, still believes to the point of tears uh, that things will come around and things will get better. And it just is a living example that I think is special to motherhood, uh, that you get to see this quality of love in God that he always hopes, that he always believes, that he always trusts and that love never fails. And it's through his manifestation as mother that he makes that most available to us and the easiest to touch, the easiest to understand. The master, it says, Sri Ramakrishna, regarded all creatures as manifestations of the divine mother. He left me behind, this is mother talking, Sri Sharda Devi speaking, he left me behind when he passed away, Uh, to manifest the motherhood of God. And we know that she made a a whole life of living like that and consequently gave us a practice that could bring us to realization, and that is to treat everyone as our children, to have a nurturing and encouraging and uplifting, a positive, a giving, a caring, a concerning uh, attitude toward everyone by literally seeing them as our children you know what because i was digging through the bible this last week for these classes i ran across something very interesting that you know jesus is hanging on the cross in this scene which is quite quite dramatic to see to take your beloved you know incarnation of god and picture him in pain like that and suffering like that and what makes it even worse to me is that his mother is standing at the Foot of the cross there, and he, she's standing there with a couple of under uh, other women. Uh, his his her sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So these women are standing there together. I can't, I can't imagine the pain of a mother seeing her son crucified for no no reason, <laughs> at least no reason, and having to suffer that pain. And it says, "Near the cross stood or Jesus near the cross of Jesus, stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. when Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple John standing nearby, he said to her, "Woman, here is your son. And to John, here is your mother." And from that time on, this disciple took her into his own home so we see that that same command that that Jesus as he's dying sees his mother there and gives her a teaching that <laughs> is profound and beautiful in a sense amazing even that Mary would be able to hear something like that at that time that he's saying don't be attached to me don't weep for this He's your son. The same message that Thakur gave to Masharda. You know, when, don't you worry. I'll give you more children than you'll be able to count, he tells her when she mentions, I guess she mentioned she wanted children at some point or that she was sorry she wasn't going to have some. And he said to her, I will give you more than you can count. And here we are, mother's children, mother's riffraff. Swami Hari Premananda recalled that once when he was massaging mother's feet, he looked at her thin, shriveled foot and wondered how the mother of the universe could have such an emaciated foot. As he continued stroking her feet, the Swami said that he clearly saw two incomparably beautiful feet with, with Alta bordering them, gold anklets inlaid with pearls and precious stones adorned the feet. Whose feet had I been tending? He asked himself. When he tried to look at Mother's face, he saw the image of Jagadatri, the protector of the world, with golden hue, three eyes, four arms, and decked with numerous ornaments. There was a crown on her head and weapons in her hand. A sublime effulgence radiated from her. Before I had had good luck, I cried out, Mother! And I lost consciousness. When the Swami awoke, he saw Holy Mother, old and thin tending to her niece radu so we get a, one of these mystic visions here of holy mother as the protector of the world you're part of that world she's your protector actively she's got weapons in her hands for that reason many times we look at kali's image we think those weapons are for us you know like she's going to come get us with them no she's got those weapons as a protector you know wiping out our egos Taking off that head of the demon for what? For our sake, for our freedom, for our love. So here's Mother as Jagadatri, the protector of the world, manifesting for a moment to her disciple who's in doubt. He's rubbing these old bony feet, you know. (laughs) You think sometimes when you think about it, you look at any of the avatars, you know, and you're like, how really? Why can't possible? You know, all kinds of doubt comes in there when you watch. How could God fit into that little? emaciated old body and he always comes with such a cheerful little you know sprite of a character it seems you know it's like you see the happy buddha there rolls a fat he's sitting in his meditation you know you see takor just kind of you know stumbling around in his ecstasy you know and, and uh jesus having to run off and get in a boat because there's so many people pressing around and all the, he's just talking love just spreading love just spreading this joy spreading this message that this world is bathing and soaking in love and you have access to that entire ocean if you don't see enough love in the world then stop giving yourself excuses not to express it if you don't see enough love in the world stop giving yourself excuses about why you're not expressing it to the maximum possibility. You know, it's a very important thing as we sit here with Mother to, to take a look at our lives. These teachings are hard, and these teachings are direct. All those questions that we have for God, you know, oh, if there was a God, if he's such a good God, why are there so many people starving in the world? When people come to me and ask those questions, why doesn't God, I always remember, Tatvamasi, thou art that. And there's, a, there's four other fingers pointing at you when you're pointing at God. What did you do today to feed the world? You yeah. know What did you do today to, to, to get somebody to a doctor to make sure that they got medical care, to make sure that somebody was watching over them? What did you do today to nurture somebody who's sick and alone? What did I do today to go and visit any of these multiple nursing homes that we've got around here full of despair, of people who forgotten, you know, parking until they pass away. The questions that we have for God, the questions that we want to put in Mother's lap, she turns and looks at you and says, yes, I'm counting on you. I'm counting on you. See all these weapons in my hand? I'll go before you. I'll go out there and prepare the field if you go out there and do it. I'll give you success. I'll slay the demons in front of you but will you go? Will you be? Will you love? Will you care to that extent? Are you willing to hurt? Am I willing to hurt for somebody else? Beneath her guise of quiet simplicity was a storehouse of infinite divine power, which she chose not to manifest. Once, when her young nephew insisted upon her revealing her true identity, she finally relented, saying, Ah, people say I'm Kali. Not allowing her any evasion, her nephew held her to her response and questioned her yet again, Kali? Truly so? To which mother replied, Yes, truly so. So we've seen Jagadatri appear through the Holy Mother, and now we're seeing Kali appearing, that Mother is both... Of these, and both of these so far have weapons, which brings in a new ideal. I think to to femininity, to to womanhood. That there's that there's a strength there, that there's an ability to protect there, that there's an ability to defend there. You know, and that 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 mother's power is not just in a mamby pamby, you know sentimental, everything is fine, everything is good, I love everybody, it's really super nice. It's not like that. With mother comes a raging fire of conviction and renunciation. Renunciation in the fact that she absolutely lived for others. Her life was absolutely lived for you. She got up at all hours of the day to take care of people, to nurture people, to carry them along. She suffered all kinds of abuse, Without, without a concern for herself. She was willing to love to the point of pain. When somebody looked at her life, they didn't have to wonder, why does God let the world do such and such? Because Mother did do such and such. She did feed. She did pick up. She did clean up. She did teach. She did love. She did nurture. And she gave everything that she had for you, for me so that I can sit there and sing these beautiful songs written by one of her young men in San Francisco and enjoy that depth of love, enjoy that depth of peace, knowing that my weaponized mother of love is fighting for me even now, to teach me and to inspire me to do the same, to give it all, to let the world be my children, and to love with that heart of a mother that does not give up that does not see the faults, does not focus on the faults, is always hoping, always believing. Yeah, I know he's been trying this for 53 years. <laughs> he makes the same stake about eight times a day. He's going to get there. I know he is. <laughs> I just know he is. Remember, one cannot realize the master. You cannot realize God without the grace of the mother, and vice versa. The master is, as it were, Lord Narayana and the mother goddess Lakshmi one should ask for strength from the mother without strength nothing can be achieved so now we have mother as Jagadatri, mother as kali and now sri sharda manifesting as mother lakshmi the goddess of wealth <laughs> I get the mixed. You know, they're all pretty new to me still, <laughs> even after 20 years. So we have Mother Lakshmi and giving strength, giving power, giving you the resources that you need to do this. She's not sending you out, out there alone to, to do this. She's not sending you into your practice by yourself. She's with you right there. And all of her resources are yours for help. Everything is a matter of faith. Everything is a matter of trusting. She doesn't believe in you just so that you have someone sweet to look at, to believe in you. She believes in you so that you can tap into that ideal and believe in yourself. That's why Vivekananda says, today's atheist is not one who doesn't believe in God. No, he says, atheism now is one who does not believe in himself. If you believe in God, you have infinite strength, Tatvamasi. If you believe in God, you have infinite patience. You have infinite willpower. Oh when will God give me willpower? Oh will God do oh when will God do when will God No, it's not when will God do these things, it's when will you do these things? When will you stop making room for error? Stop making room for laziness, stop making room for for being mamby pamby in, in your conviction about about what the mother is to you in this world. Why do we talk directly like this? Because, friends, look at the world. Look what's happening out there. Look what's going on out there. Would we ever imagine that we would live in such a world where we're talking about arming teachers? (laughs) That's not okay. That's not okay. And it's time that we as religious people stop being smug, religious people and time that we become known for serving and giving and caring and believing and trusting and working and throwing our lives into other people, into building a world that that is beautiful so we can stop the direction of this beast right now, bumbling down this road of of capitalism and and larceny, (laughs) the love of money where everything is built for businesses and not for people. I'm not being political, I'm just being human. Swami Vivekananda wrote a letter to her to get her opinion about the intention to attend the Parliament of Religions in Chicago, and only after receiving the blessing from her did he decide to go to America. Swami Brahmananda says, Mother has the key to knowledge of Brahman. Unless she shows her grace and opens that door, no one can enter into the realm of Brahman. You see the stature that Thakur, that God, that Mother is giving to Mother. She's saying, you know, you don't, you can't get anywhere without that relationship, without that acceptance. And again, you know, Thakur, Ma Swamiji Jesus Buddha—all of these are outer, are outer reflections of an inner manifestation, an inner reality that they're trying desperately to get us to understand and to get us to see. You know that that the end result of this is not being. Well, I can't say that because at some points it's true. You do start by laying it all on mother. But you lay it all on mother not with the sense of you're just waiting for it to come. You lay it on mother and then the faith in you receives it. You've asked for it. You know that it is yours. You don't ask for it and wait for it to come. You ask for it and in faith you receive it and act on it. You move forward. Mother, give me the willpower. That doesn't mean that you wait until the next time for her to strengthen your willpower. That means you accept the fact that you have infinite willpower because you've asked the mother and you act on it. Mother, give me courage. That doesn't mean you wait for 25 more meditations and act in courage. It means you believe, you trust, Mother has given me courage and you act accordingly. We are not victims of our own selves. We are heirs to the throne of God. We're infinite lovers, infinite workers, infinitely strong, infinitely devoted, infinitely powerful, infinitely pure. Know it and let it manifest. You have nothing else to do but to know it. Sri Ramakrishna said about Holy Mother, she is Sharda, Saraswati. She is born to bestow knowledge on others. Are we getting the idea? <laughs> now Mother is being described as Saraswati, the goddess of knowledge, the goddess of learning. So we've got all of these. We've got, what, Can I can't even remember them all, Jagadatri, Kali, Lakshmi, and now Saraswati. Bestowing all of these things, having everything that we need, whether it's resources, whether it's learning, whether it's power, whether it's weapons, whether it's you know I mean anything. (laughs) You put all these goddesses in the same room, I don't think you're gonna need anything else. You've got everything available to you, in the form of mother nonetheless. He's not offering you a tank. (laughs) You know, (laughs) he's not offering you something that you have to go and fight and earn or anything. He's giving you a mother with infinite power and infinite resources and infinite love for you. A relationship that doesn't give up. A relationship that's simply not going to believe you can't do it. A relationship that's simply not going to settle for you being mediocre all the time. Because she sees you on the day of your realization. She sees that. She longs for that day to come. She knows that it's coming. So she looks at you now. And all of your pain is her pain. All of your shortcoming is her shortcoming. All of your longing is her longing. Because she sees that day. She knows that day. And she can't wait for that day for her children. How many of you can remember the day you graduated or <laughs> my favorite memory of my mother I guess I can talk like that my favorite memory of my mother was in uh, college when I went to when I went away for school it was the first time I'd been away from my mom you know and I went to school in Texas it was a good 8 hours from where they were living in Albuquerque and uh, there was going to be a uh, a weekend of I don't know what they called it. They had some little name for it. We're all high school students. were welcome to come and spend the weekend at the university to see the place. And so my parents, my father was going to bring the youth group up. And they told me, Ma, that, my, that I didn't think my Ma was coming. And I remember that day I got out of class and I was going back to the dorm. It was a Friday afternoon. And I came in the front door of the dorm and there was a long hallway, you know, all the way down to the other end. And I, my room was like three quarters of the way down there. I came in that door, and I had my backpack on, and I just finished turning around, and I looked up, and coming in the far door at the end of the hall was my mother. (laughs) As cheesy as the imagery is, I just went in slow motion just running down that hallway, you know, and I just remember almost knocking my mother over. And to give her a hug and to feel her hair on my, on my face and to smell her as I was hugging her. And just that absolute release of, of holding your mom after you haven't seen her in three months for the first time in your life. How, how tightly we both you know were clutching each other and weeping. Just so happy to see my mother. If I could get a tenth of that faith in my relationship with the divine. Just a tenth of that faith that that's that's the level of love we're talking about. That's the level of devotion, not from our part. We're always worried about our own devotion for God. We never think about God's devotion for us. That's where it comes from. That's where growth happens. (laughs) Growth doesn't happen because you somehow miraculously out of your own jar pull out devotion for mother. Our love for our parents comes not because we magically somehow figured out how to love them, But because we watch them feed us and we watch them walk us and we watch them burp us, we watch them change us and we watch them drive us to soccer practice and to get up early to take us to church and to buy us new clothes and to take us to Disneyland or whatever those things are. That's how we learn to love our mother by becoming aware of what mother is. That's how you fall in love with God. You begin to understand that you're seeing him everywhere that the whole world is longing for it, writing about love in all their poems and all their books and all of their movies, writing about power in all of their you know, sci-fi novels. You know, That's how we know Mother. That's how we know God. That's how, where devotion comes from. It's by opening your eyes and seeing that this world can be seen in many ways, and one of them is as a manifestation of God, as love. Girish Ghosh once asked, holy mother, what sort of mother are you? At once she replied, your real mother, not just the wife of your guru, not an adopted mother, not a stepmom, not a vague mother. I am your real mother. All right? That's the crux of it right there. Whether it's Jagadatri, whether it's Kali, whether it's it's Saraswati, any of these other names, who is she really? When it comes down to it at the end of the day, who is God really? Your real mother. Your mother carried you into this world, but God placed you in her womb. That divine hand brought you into the world and provided you all the support that you've had and the challenges that you've had. In proper proportion, to make you the best that you can be. To remember that walk. And to understand the love in all of those things, whether it's good or bad, you know. I remember once I was I was teaching. Well, I was a <laughs> I was sort of teaching, at a uh, an orphanage in Texas back in 1983, four. And uh, I was. I was eight, eight, nine, 18 at the time, nineteen at the time, and I was teaching in this children's home, and it was children that were had been taken away from their parents by the law for whatever reason, and some of those reasons were gruesome. But I was very naive, you know. <laughs> I was a wonderbread boy who'd had a fairy tale life up until that point, really, and I remember saying grace around the dinner table that one night and. Uh, uh, you know, thanking God for taking care of us and giving us people in our lives that love us and always providing for us. And I, I remember uh, uh, one of the house parents taking me aside after dinner by myself, and he said, "He said, you know, the, this isn't a correction. He says, but I just want you to be aware of some of the some of those kids around the table tonight. You know, have been locked in closets, have been beaten. You know, have have." Uh, drug-addicted parents that can't take care of them. So just keep that in mind when you're teaching and when you're saying prayers around the table. That hurt a lot. You know, I have a, I have a friend who had a very, very abusive upbringing with his mother, and when, when God is presented as mother, there's no understanding there. And the challenge for us is to see that even because I look at what he's become and what he's managed to manifest in his life and it's awe-inspiring. Because you have to hold on to that understanding that yes, the good and the bad are for your good. That if you insist in yourself on seeing love in the things in your life, even the very difficult and very painful and very hurtful times will make you stronger, will make you understand, and will build in you an empathy and an ability to care that will be unmatched. But it takes a tenacity of a belief in love. Faith is at the root of all things. To understand that this is in fact a God of love and as difficult and as hard as it is to see, Everything is motivated by that love for us. And if you can't see it, okay, nobody is here to convince you of it. But what happens is you sit and you look at that situation long enough to see the good in it. You go deep enough within yourself to understand the good in it. And if you can't see it, then it's up to you to move on it and create it. Make somebody else's hunger your opportunity to worship your beloved by feeding them. So if you can't see any good in their hunger, feed them. If you can't see any good in the violence in the world, be a peacekeeper, actively. If you can't see the good happening around you, then be the good that happens around you. And manifest that divine love in that way. You are my real mother. Christopher Isherwood once charmingly wrote about Trisharda Sharda Devi. As she grew older, she seemed to inhabit a world made up entirely of her own children. <laughs> I love that ideal because it gives you a really beautiful way of dealing with the world around you. Now, I think women secretly, in the secret society of women, which I do not have a past to, probably know this anyway. That they're all of our mothers. <laughs> they understand. They see the guys bumbling around. They, you know, they, they know more about our insecurities and our shortcomings than we do. And God says, that's fine. Be that mother. Be empowered by that mother. That was one of the disturbing things when I was growing up. I didn't know anything about it, and I still know nothing about it, but I'm gonna wade into this anyway. This idea of feminism, which I, you know, all the all the principles of it I support, of course but my mother you know my mother was a was a, a a I'll say a traditional housewife by choice she didn't want to she didn't want to go out and get a job she wanted to stay home and so i grew up in a very ideal situation our house was always clean <laughs> we always had home cooked meals you know during the day she was always there when i came home from school in the afternoon and all of that and she her feelings were hurt because many of the other women in the neighborhood that we were living in were, had jobs and were getting jobs and would look down on her would talk disparagingly about her staying at home like why are you doing that you, sh- you should be your own person you should be your own and it was always a struggle for her because she was like I, I am being my own person this is what I, this is what I want to do this is what I love this is what I like and so I that's a very shallow introduction for me into feminism and I know it's not the case overall but it's, it's an experience that I have and it's one that I've held on to is that I don't I'm I, I I'm gonna get myself in so much trouble. But this notion <laughs> this notion that, that equality means being more like the other, you know, that, that women having equal rights means that they go out and get a job, means that they, you know, equal pay and all that, I get all that, the, the, the principles of it I really like. But what I think is left out of the picture is that there is something inherently beautiful about being a woman. There is an inherent experience you have in being a woman that I will never know. Even if I were to have gotten married and, and were to have had a child, I would never have carried that child in my body for nine months. I cannot even imagine the connection that must come from that. And then the pain of giving birth to that child and holding it immediately, crying on, on, in your lap. I can't understand that. I never will have access to that. You know, and I think that there is something so inherently beautiful in what that must be for the mind of a woman. And to have a body that is literally physically made for nurturing and for supporting and taking care of. You give that baby to me, it's going to starve to death. (laughs) You know, there is something inherently beautiful about being born with a body that is designed for nurture and designed for caretaking, and designed for love, and designed for bringing somebody up into this world, for introducing them to the world, for being their whole experience of their first nine months of the world. That should be taken into account. That should not be given up too lightly. That should demand the respect that would warrant equality. And I I always felt like that was missing like, we're not just all androgynous somethings that just are all treated the same and given the same. It's not the case. Men are created one way, you know, perhaps to cause the trouble. <laughs> and then women are created in another way, maybe to fix it. I don't know. I'm going to a very archaic view of things, but uh, <laughs> more for the fun of it, since I figure I'm in trouble anyway. <laughs> but this notion... That God as mother brings to the table a whole different assortment of ideals that are so needed and so beautiful and so necessary in the world today. And we need each other. We need each other. You know, Tako saying that, all, that men should see all women as their mother. Why is that? Because that's how you respect. That's how you love. That's how you appreciate that's your impetus for defending them, taking care of them. Now, I know somebody say, I don't need to be taken care of. Fine. <laughs> don't be taken care of. That's not my point. But I'm saying that this ideal of motherhood is a beautiful one. And that if you're a woman looking for an identity and working on your identity, boy, what a golden opportunity to delve into that notion of what it means and the advantage that you've been given for a heart for the ability to care, the ability to forgive, the patience that is inherent in your experience as a person. Wow. Teach me. Show me like my mother did. Show me like my mother does in still believing, still having faith, still knowing things are going to turn out You know, with each other. Mother said, Prophets and incarnations are born to show benighted humanity their way. They give different instructions to suit different temperaments. There are many ways to realize truth, so all these instructions have their relative value. For instance, many birds are perched on the branches of a tree. They are of different colors, white, black, red, yellow, so on. Their sounds, too, are different. But when they sing, we say that the sounds are made by the birds, we do not designate one particular sound only as the sound of birds and refuse to acknowledge the other sounds as such. You see, that's God as mother right there. That's God as mother. When Takor wanted to talk about how open God was and how nurturing God was and how universal God was, what did he do? He, he, he brought up the image of a mother taking care of her children. You know, this one doesn't like that food, and this one doesn't like that food, and this one can't eat this, and that one can't eat that. And so mother prepares all these dishes, you know, to take care of the son or the daughter. And so his first notion as an incarnation to describe how God feels for all people was to bring in the idea of this mother. So we rely on mother for that understanding in the world that we live in. We go for the heart of the mother inside of us to accept to love, to nurture. Mother says, if you practice spiritual discipline for some time in a solitary place like Rishikesh, you will find that your mind has gained in strength, and then you can live in any place or in the company of anyone without being in the least affected by it. A sapling must be protected by a fence all around, but when it grows, not even the cows and goats can injure it. Spiritual practice in a solitary place is essential. When worldly thoughts crop up in your mind and they possess it, then you should go away from the company of others. Pray to him with tears in your eyes. He will remove all the dross of your mind and will also give you understanding. Disciple, I don't have enough strength for doing spiritual disciplines. I've surrendered myself to your feet. Please do as you will. With folded palms, the mother began praying to the master. May the master protect you in your vows of sannyasa. He is looking after you. What should you be afraid of? If the mind is kept engaged in some work, it doesn't indulge in silly thought. But if you sit idle, the mind is likely to indulge in various kinds of thoughts. So I brought this in because this is mother's teaching to you this morning, that one who loves you infinitely who believes in you infinitely, who will not give up on you, who will not give in to seeing your fault, who's hoping and and praying and, (laughs) and doing anything possible to bring you to realization. She's telling you your spiritual practice is essential. If you're missing it, you're missing out on something much more than just your practice. that when this world starts to gather your mind, you can't get any peace when it's got you consumed. She's saying, go away. You better make time for yourself. You're not going to make it if you leave your mind locked in the grip of this world. Go away. And in that place when you're away and by yourself, get down on your knees. Fold your hands in front of your heart and say, Oh God, help. Remind me of what it is to be human. Remind me what it is to to be a giver. Show me that I cannot accept being called a consumer. (laughs) And if you don't have enough to do that, then you're going to have to have more faith. That's all. Faith that Mother's done it for you. That even as you're praying for it, she's got her hands folded together, and begging God. <laughs> she's made a lot of promises to us. and I'm going to spend the last five minutes here naming some of the promises that Mother's made to you. Pray to God with tears in your eyes whenever you want illumination or find yourself faced with any doubt or difficulty. The Lord will remove all of your impurities, assuage your mental anguish, and give you enlightenment. Is that what you want? If it is, she says, pray to God with tears in your eyes. She says, open your grief-stricken heart to the Lord. By doing so constantly, you will gradually attain peace of mind. You want peace of mind? Open the heart to God and do it constantly. Do it always. Become aware that God is present and feeling all of your pain and all of your joy before you do. Before you do. Even the impossible becomes possible through devotion. I like that one. I've done my best to to be the impossible case for mother. She makes it possible through devotion. Call on the Lord who pervades the entire universe. He will shower his blessings on you. Surrender all desires at the feet of God. He will do whatever is best for you. He protects one who relies on him. Even the injunctions of destiny are canceled if one takes refuge in God. He who is diffident wins in the end. Pray to the master. He will do everything for you. He is your very own. You know, the value of these promises, there's more, two more, three more, (laughs) But the important thing about them is that they suggest a way of being. These aren't just a list of things that God will do for you in exchange for doing this for him. It's not like that, even remotely. This is about a way of being, a condition of mind. That you don't carry things around with you. You don't burden yourself with your attachments and your desires. You don't become engrossed in your depressions and your downness and your inabilities. You don't focus when you go in to sit in the shrine on what you can't do and how difficult it is and how far you have to go. This is a disposition of faith, a disposition of conviction, a disposition of strength and integrity, a disposition of no compromise within yourself when it comes to love and its manifestations. Don't fear, my child. The master will look after you. He will watch over you. Here and hereafter, he will always protect you. A disposition of fearlessness in going in this world, moving forward, never forgetting to keep our heart open to God, never forgetting the promises that he's made that his isness is everywhere around us, that this moment that holds us up, this moment that we inhabit is him, it's his nature. There is, there, 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 there is no secular in it. It is by its fundamental nature spiritual. It's understanding and inhabiting that moment. As you pray and meditate, you will find the Master actually speaking to you fulfilling your desires immediately, and your mind will be filled with such deep peace, you will realize that he who is in me is in you and in the humblest of men. Only then will humility be born in your mind. That's outrageous. That's <laughs> Take that and sit in the shrine for a moment with that and come to a place where you believe it. Your life will never be the same. You will never have a mundane day again if you can even begin to grasp the depth of the implication of that statement. And her final pra- her final promise without regular practice, nothing can be attained. in our court the promises are already made but if you don't pick them up you can't enjoy them enjoy them drink deeply mother gives freely she is the goddess in all of her aspects the mother of you the intimate mother of your heart The hearer of your thought, the experiencer of your pain. She is you before you are. Take refuge.